Welcome to Devil 7, episode 101, Daredevil, season 1, episode 3, Rabbit in a Snowstorm. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome, Agent. It's time for us to sit back and talk a little lacrosse with Coach Daniel and Coach Ben. Hello, players. I'm Coach Ben. And well, I ben, should called we talk you about players. Shooting space tonight? Should we talk about what? Shooting space. Shooting space and dangerous kick- propels. Propels. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Let's we should talk just about that stuff. In the idea of a lacrosse podcast. You don't want to do a lacrosse podcast? Not with you. Why not? Well, because you don't know what shooting space is. Yeah, but you'd be teaching me. Like, that'd be the whole gimmick. You talk about the stuff. I don't know about the stuff. You're teaching me to appreciate the stuff. Seems like a lot of effort to me. Lacrosse has sticks. Yes. And goals. Yes. And shooting space. Yes. And dangerous propulsion. Propels. Propels. Yes. And... From there, episode two, you would teach me about the ice cream cones on the field. Yeah, and checking. And check. I know checking because Checking's of hockey. Like Christmas. Checking's like Christmas. Yeah, it only happens once a year, and it's a gift. <laughs> See, I could appreciate a little lacrosse humor. There you go, buddy. Hey, nobody wants to hear us talk about lacrosse. No, 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 no. They don't. They've been waiting, what, like four weeks to talk about Daredevil? I think it's been about nine weeks since this the last episode of Daredevil came out. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we should probably jump into whatever the new segment is because I haven't bothered to look. Well, we don't have a new segment sounder yet. So oh. I think we might get through the Daredevil without without one. But But here's what we do have. We do have some news. And quickly, uh, first news item is mine. Second news item is yours uh, first news item tells me that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 3 is returning end of September. September 29th, I believe, is the date. Tuesday, 9 o'clock. And, yeah, so we've got some time still <laughs> between now and then. Uh, but to bide your time, you do have on Netflix Season 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You have Daredevil. And you have Ant-Man hitting theaters in, uh, I think it's July 17th. So there's stuff to do, but yeah, that's where we're at for that. There you go. Hey, speaking of the 17th. July 17th? July 28th, 2017? July 28th, 2017? Yeah. No idea. Good transition. The next installment of (laughs) Spider-Man. Oh, that is a great transition. Uh, relatively speaking. Hey, we finally have a Spider-Man. Did you know that? They announced him today. Did they? Because recording. Yeah. Okay. And who is it? Tom Holland. Who? Tom Holland. (laughs) 
Yeah, yep. not yep. sure who That's that is. That's what I got, man. <laughs> crickets, huh? You got crickets in your, your office there, Daniel? I was asked earlier today what I thought of him. And, and again, as Agent Snook pointed out earlier tonight, maybe it's a good thing that we haven't heard from him. I give Mr. Holland a full shake at being Peter Parker. I really do. I didn't know the last Peter Parker. Um, Garfield. I didn't know what he was in. I'm an old man. I don't get out much. Well, Andrew Garfield was in an episode of Doctor Who. Great. <laughs> I feel like I should have played the cricket sounder again. Yeah, I, I probably saw it. I just don't remember that. So go ahead, play it again. No, no, I've already moved moved my soundboard. So, yeah, can't do that right now. But um, Wait, I've never heard of this guy how either. Do the, how my, do you pull out the trombone? What? The sad trombone? Yeah, if you've moved the soundboard. Well, no, I've moved back to the soundboard. Okay, because you've got to have that sad trombone for a moment's notice. I, I do. It's ready to go now. But um, my question about this actor, I, I just the one thing I would like to know is how old he is. 19. 19? That 19. works. That'll work. Yeah. Sure, he can play 11. Except his movie comes out in two years, right? Yep, I'm sure he can play 11. So, yeah, because that was my big concern about Andrew Garfield. Was when he did his first one, he was already, I think, like 48, 49. You know, and some Easily. people can do that. Some people can do that. I mean, uh, Michael J. Fox could do that. I, I feel like even when he was, you know, doing Spin City, he could have turned around and played Marty McFly as a teenager at a, at a moment's notice. Very little makeup. You could just do it. Uh, Andrew Garfield felt old in the first one and and the second one felt older <laughs> and if he'd done so, the third one it would have been oldest <laughs> that would have yeah so now that we've done our our uh spider-man actor sesame street uh, uh bit i think it's time for us to move on to some real stuff let's get in there rabbit in I a got, snowstorm i got my parka you got it you ready yeah. for that snowstorm? All right. Well, we've got some uh, opening statements to make then first. Opening statements. Uh, I'm Daniel? Sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> Me I'm actually too. Since. Me too. So, I have no idea what I said. Well, let's play yours first then. Are you ready? Yeah, so this I'm... is what we do for the opening statements. And if you're just joining us is we... On first viewing this this episode, when we were binge watching through Netflix and just watching the episodes quickly, knowing we weren't going to be recording about them until much later, as we are now much later, uh, we recorded through voicemail. We called into the show to welcome to Level 7. And when we did that, we left a voicemail with our initial thoughts. And so here is Daniel's initial thoughts upon watching Episode 3, Rabbit in a snowstorm. Agent Daniel here in the mid uh, middle of my watch of Daredevil. Actually, episode three completed. That's right. Three whole episodes in. I'm excited. All right. So here's my initial thoughts. The good. Fisk. Impressive. Emoting. Alone. Is it the ultimate pickup line? It very well <laughs> could be. 
an alone man with a lot of money and a pension for art. But yeah, I really like that scene. The trial stuff, interesting. Uh, I'm not so used to a criminal who knows so much about the legal system and being able to tell his lawyers exactly what he wants off the menu. That was intriguing. But the bad, I, I didn't quite buy the fact in the end that, you know, you can let yourself get beat up for a little bit and you give up a name. But it's a name that you're going to hold so so closely, so tightly, you think it's such a big deal that you're going to kill yourself? No. No, that guy's going to take a few more smacks before he outs himself and becomes uh, a not moment for the uh, not a kitty moment in the show. So again, uh, good. I'm liking it. Um, honestly, I still think I like Agents a little bit better. So some folks can get mad at me when I say that. Uh, just I'm also intrigued by the fact that he's used, they're using Fisk's money to pay for the Wi-Fi. But anyway, <laughs> off I go a hot mess of the next episode. Well, that's done for you. Ooh, well, I like that, Daniel. <laughs> he, he took care of business and he hit that commentary. There it is. All right. Well, you ready? Here comes my comments from this is just be awkward. watching it. So I'm calling in <clears throat> about Rabbit in a Snowstorm, uh, the third episode of Daredevil, and I just want to say, guys, uh, Daniel and <clears throat> me, um, so far, this is an interesting series. And, you know, at the end of the episode, Kingpin, he's talking about art with the uh, person who runs the gallery or whatever, and she says, you know, in the end, all that matters about art is what is, how does it make you feel? And he has his answer, and well, I'm sure we'll talk about that answer. We finally see him. This is nice. But um, this episode made me feel, uh, made me feel sick, made me feel disgusted. The violence was just really brutal. And I found myself asking in the first instance, why? And I think I figured out why. And actually, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But, um, you know, it's just about a change in the order of things and this new player who's changing the playing field. And who's the new player? Well, one of them is Daredevil, and the other one is the man whose name they wouldn't speak in that episode one, but they spoke it in this episode. And all I can say right now is, dude, Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> easy paycheck on episode one and two. So The other thing I noticed in this episode, we have a character named Daniel and a character named Ben in this show. One character is doing better than the other. I'll, I'll let you decide who's who on that one. So, future me. And Daniel, nice talking to you. And again, this is a good series, but yeah, this is not for the kids. Talk to you later. Bye. Daniel. Wow. Couple Low. thoughts here. Low blow. He took he took two of my main talking points about why things are so brutal. I'm just trying to figure out who's Daniel in this episode. Daniel is the murder victim. Uh, Daniel from Prohaska? No, 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 no. Daniel's the murder victim from episode one who died oh, in okay. Karen Page's uh, okay. room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they talk, they talk about him in this episode. Okay. Yeah. Pass well, me as a jerk taking episode, all the thunder. I guess we're done. Hey, 
I, I did notice something else though, besides for past me being a jerk and taking my talking points. Um, y- did you notice that we both mentioned not for the kids? You know why? Not for the kids. I'm going to go behind the curtain here. The oldest has actually seen parts of one episode. Ah. And said wanted to see the whole thing. Instead has replaced that desire with watching Parks and Rec. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to get into the actual discussion of the yeah. episode then? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Case evidence. All right. Well, Daniel, um, I kind of want to divide this up into five areas. I wanted us to talk about that opening scene in the bowling alley. And I'd like us to then talk about three, the three parallel storylines that I saw. Uh, one being Karen's story, which is a short storyline. One being Ben's story and one being the law story. And then I'd like us to talk about the final scene with Wilson Fisk. How does that sound for you? All right, let's charge into it. All right, so the opening scene, uh, this is where, uh, I mean, we've seen some stuff before, but this scene here definitely separates us uh, out from style of programming that we've been getting in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent Carter and really all of our movies as well. I mean, this is a dude smashing another dude's head with a bowling ball. Yeah, this is pretty much raising all stakes on this show. This is in the MCU. This is the most violent moment so far. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that assessment of being the most violent in the MCU so far. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like past you was maybe a little upset about that. I think past me was not upset about that. I think past me was actually um, enjoying the feeling. Like, not enjoying the feeling, but saying, okay, this is artistic because it is making me feel. And well, and it definitely, yeah, I mean, when you say makes you feel, it may it puts you on edge. The tension level instant rela- rises, even though you don't even know who these people are. When you go to the scene where uh, Turk's talking about how the gun's not going to jam and the gun jams, you're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, what's going to happen now? This guy's in trouble. And then the bowling ball comes oh, out. Turk, 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 Turk. <laughs> I mean, it's... It raises the stakes in the MCU. Now, it's also a scene where it's not like we're seeing lots and lots of blood to the extent, you know, you might see on like a Sopranos or an HBO show. No, 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 no. It's not like they got out the squeeze bottle and just started squirting red all over the place. I mean, they're they're artistic about it. There was some squirting of red. Uh, We didn't see the bowling ball make a connection. We saw the bowling ball come down a few times and we saw red Blatting up into Healy's face, the the murderer, the assassin, the assassinating assassin who assassinates. Uh, because then when the police come and he just goes to his knees, puts his hands over his head before the police are even in the frame. And he's got a pretty, pretty yucky spray of blood on his face. And even though he's got that spray of blood, he's completely cool and collected. All right, I'm going to hide this gun. Yeah. Check. I'm going to put my hands behind my head and I'm just going to take a short vacation. This Three man meals in a cot. This man. Yeah, he is a professional. And yeah, that's his vacation. A little vacation. And and right there. I mean, again, when you talk about 
communicating messages. The fact that he is so calm and is un unworried about the fact that he's going to go to jail and in fact preparing himself for it just tells you that this guy is stone cold. Yeah, he knows. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. And he's ready. He's he's ready for this moment. And that poor girl, did you expect her to be dead? The one who's making the 911 call? I, I did worry about it. I did too. And then he didn't go after her and I thought, "Oh, that's a very interesting choice." She didn't he didn't get paid to kill her. No, he didn't. And killing her would have just muddied the waters a little bit more for him. Well, and when you talk about that, I mean later, I mean he he has a witness. There was a confrontation. Yeah. And so here this scene sets the tone. And it's interesting because this is not a very violent episode as far as minutes of violence. It's spurts of violence. But this opening scene sets a tone. And like I said, we've seen stuff go on. We've seen pretty brutal fights. But this... Now, things happen later too. But this scene right here is... It's quite an opening scene. Quite an opening scene. So, man. Yeah. And they got the perfect guy, too. I mean, this guy looks like uh, Ron Howard's you know brother or something like that. I mean, he doesn't actually look like Ron Howard's brother. He looks like he could be but he looks Ron like he could Howard's be brother. Ron Howard's brother. You know, this this looks like Richie Cunningham, uh, his old, no, not his actual older brother, because he did have an actual older brother in Happy Days who disappeared after a couple of seasons. But and he has an actual older brother who's an actor. Right. So we're talking about the uh, metaphorical possibility. Was oh, he a younger brother? I think he's younger. No, no, no. Yeah, I think he's younger. Okay. Because he did, he did Star Trek, but that was after was Flipper. 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 Sequest. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Clint Howard. Clint Howard was. Uh, he, I only know him from one episode of Star Trek and then a bunch of bunch oh, of dude. bad movies. Come on. That's all you know Clint Howard from? Yep. The Carbonite Maneuver. And lots and lots of movies. Lots and lots of movies. You need to get out more. What What this am I missing? His acting career is fantastic. And does not include Flipper. <laughs> I need to get out more? You're the one who's putting Ron Howard's brother into Flipper. Maybe yeah. I've got him confused with the ba- ba- Bailey's Balboa. <laughs> 26 episodes of Stanley. Anyway, younger or older, this guy, he comes in, he's got a very, very young, (laughs) young face. He, he looks, you know, friendly. He's genial. I mean, this, this guy, again, setting tone, uh, he is not what he seems to be when he walks in, he does the murder and then he does things. you, You just has, as he's, Going through this episode, he just keeps surprising me with the way he handles himself and the what and the things that he's doing. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> oh boy, the Howard brothers. We went there. Interesting rabbit trail for us to follow. But so now there's the law story, and this Daniel, this story here 
is what we would have if Daredevil was a 22 episode run on network television, um, starting, I'd say anywhere from three to 15 years ago. This is what we would have gotten from our, um, Incredible Hulk spinoff Daredevil is this kind of, of thing. There's a crime that happens and, and foggy and, and Matt have to figure out how are we going to defend this guy? Are we going to defend this guy? What are we going to do? How is Daredevil, you know, Daredevil is going to end up getting involved in, in the resolution of things. And this is our, our setup for the superhero law show. And this is what this episode is is the superhero law show taken from the pages of She-Hulk. Yeah. And you know, I don't mind it. I, I really don't. Uh, if this was what we had gotten, you know, I say 15 years ago. Um, but I mean, obviously the incredible Hulk and daredevil was a lot longer ago than that. Um, so it would have been a little more cheesy back then. Um, but you know, 15 years ago it would have been a law and order with a superhero. Or, you know, now, you know, three, four or five years ago, they would have considered doing a CSI kind of thing with superheroes. But yeah, here we are. And it's interesting to me. Uh, I like this. I like the tone. I like I like the moral conundrum. And I wouldn't mind seeing more of this. Uh, we do see more law shenanigans, uh, but we don't get it any any more episodes that I feel are as as uh oh what's verbose the, not verbose although he has a huge long speech well and it's fantastic speech it's great it's great but um no i i mean we we, we don't get any more episodes that are as um formulaic as this one and when i say formulaic i don't mean this particular episode really is formulaic i mean in a longer series on network television even just you know two or three years ago, we would have gotten this as our formula. Uh, crime, courtroom, investigation, daredevil, a little bit of um, maybe, maybe a little bit of a continuing uh, story arc for the season. So I like what I'm seeing. I, I'm enjoying the episode. I like seeing them in court doing that stuff. So that's what this, uh, what we, what we get here now. Uh, it starts out. And our trio, they're in their office. They're together. They have cute conversation and, and back and forth. They also have no clients, no sign and no money and no idea what to do. And then there's a knock on the door and it's Wesley. And he has come because he wants to hire on Matt and Foggy on retainer. He yeah. needs honest lawyers in Hell's Kitchen. He does. Who doesn't need honest lawyers in Hell's Kitchen? Honestly. Uh what I found interesting was as Wesley is coming to talk to them, I feel like it's almost like the lawyer version of uh, taking a fall. You know, you had the guys come to Matt's dad and say, we need you to do this. We need you to be on our side. You got to do what we're asking you to do. Take the fall. And you get the impression almost that Matt kind of looks at Wesley and says, wait a minute. You're kind of asking me to do, you know, to, to do your bidding almost, you know, I know you're saying you want honest lawyers, but really what you want are lawyers who will um, take the cases you want to take and, and all that kind of thing. And but, I almost feel like he looks at it like that's the same kind of deal that his dad got. But really, at the same time, when you think about it, Wesley will never ask him 
and foggy to do anything dishonest. No, no. There there's shenanigans going on behind the scenes, but not related to Matt and Foggy. No, what they're doing is they're providing the smoke and mirrors though on and, and uh, honestly they're doing it with with honesty they're doing the job as the job requires them to do it but they i mean matt knows he knows something's up they're not going to ask us to do anything that we don't want to do or that we wouldn't do because of morality but in doing that we are helping someone who we don't want to help he recognizes this he doesn't know who but he recognizes this but really, as a lawyer, isn't it his job to represent folks, even if they are not innocent? It is, but there, he's not a he's not a prosecutor. No, no. But what he's, he is, he's also not someone who wants to help. Uh, you know, a giant machine of criminal evil. Well, or you know, is he? Because, uh, you know, as a lawyer, he has to go in and say, OK, I'm going to defend someone who may not be innocent, but that's because they deserve due process. But that doesn't mean I'm going to defend the people that these people have chosen for me to defend because of their agenda. He He's not there for Fisk's agenda or for Wesley's agenda. He's there for his agenda, which is to uphold the law and, and to fight for um, the, the common man who needs help. So, and so then uh, Matt follows Wesley and he hears a heartbeat and a watch very helpful things for him and he also has pain in his side because he is still not recovered from being daredevil daredevil that's a good thing I like that they are not healing him magically and quickly the way they do often in TV shows so we go from there to Healy in custody and Foggy is talking to Healy and Foggy is concerned by the answers and Foggy wanted to just take the case because, hey, zero is on the check. But here's where we see again, Foggy is not just a background character in this scene and in, in these in, in one more scene in this episode, we get to see Foggy is moral he has concerns but he is he wants to do what's right and he is questioning this guy and these answers are problematic for him and that's what you were saying this guy knows the law healy this villain he's an assassin he's a killer and he knows what he needs to say he's giving the right answers you know, better than the right answers. Yeah. Did they, uh, did they verbally assault you or physically assault you? Which one sounds better? Uh, they did both. <laughs> and Foggy asks him, am I right in, in asking or am I right in assuming this isn't your first rodeo? Uh, he's he's troubled by this. And I don't know. Rightfully so, I think. No, and I think he they'll be even more troubled later when they'll be like, we think you should do this procedure. And he comes out with a different like code number. He's like, no, I'm going to do this instead. Yeah, yeah. And that right there, I mean, you see our boys looking up stuff on the internet, like legitimate lawyer help tools, you know, because the law is complicated. 
our assassin knows the stuff that he know, needs to get through his court case already. Right. Is it because he knows from past experience or has it been fed to him by other lawyers? Or has he studied the law as part of, you know, preparing to be an assassin? I think that's completely a legitimate thing to do where, you know, I need to know what laws I can invoke so I can get out of the bad, evil things that I've done. I concur. I concur, sir. So Matt joins Foggy and uh, Matt says, we're going to take the case. And Foggy, who has been troubled by these answers that he's been receiving, doesn't think that's a great idea. And just like in the comic books, Matt proves to be a giant jerk. Yeah, he just pushes his way. And then I asks, mean, that really isn't Matt's M.O. <laughs> no, I, I'm not joking. That really in the comic books and here in this scene, that's what Matt does is he he uses people in many ways. Yeah, his, his reasoning may be noble. It may be Batman-esque, but he really should talk to foggy well and that's just it later on they're going to talk about we're a team aren't we 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 have to be on the same team that's what foggy says and again this is where okay foggy he's asserting himself but he's not asserting himself as comic relief and hey you know what blah 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 jokey 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 no it's we have to be on the same team man i mean we're here together (laughs) and his name's first in the firm you know, Nelson and Murdoch. So um, Foggy knows something is off. Matt knows something is off. But Matt wants to take the case because something is off. So they do. <laughs> and then we get the law room stuff. We or, or well, actually, no, the next scene for them is them studying, like you were saying. And looking things up, and I'm reminded of, in this scene, I'm reminded of one of the first things where I saw something like this happen. And that was uh, A Few Good Men, where uh, Tom Cruise and his law team are just sitting around eating pizza and talking and, you know, throwing baseballs around and stuff like that. And I like these scenes. They're good. They're good. But we also get a little tiny confrontation with Karen in this. They're talking about the bad Wi-Fi. They're um, you know, looking up different defenses and stuff like that. But uh, Karen, and we'll talk about her in a moment, and this is a real subtle, quick thing, but Karen was not around during the day. And Matt mentions it. He says, no, until this is done, no more long lunches. And just he, he's being the boss now. You know, this is this is our law firm. You're an employee. You can't do that kind of thing. Well, and we knew where Karen was. We do. But the thing is, is this is the second time at least that Karen's been dishonest with them. And this is where, you know, their relationship is an interesting thing. You know, you've got uh, her coming in with baggage um, and basically, you know, kind of falling into a job, but falling into the best possible job she could have considering the circumstances. So from that, though, we go into the trial and Foggy has taken the lead. He is doing the opening statements and he's competent. He's competent. This is this is good. And while this is happening, uh, Matt Murdock is listening to heartbeats. 
He listens to a lot of heartbeats in this episode. He is such a stalker. <laughs> he is. He is. Uh, and he realizes that one of the jury people is scared, especially, you know, and then he hears that the that Wesley is there because he hears the heartbeat and the the watch. And here's the question, though, Daniel, is this feeling realistic? Because I re- I, I read this kind of stuff in the comics where he's identifying people for, by their heartbeat from, you know, three floors away. I feel like it's a little bit of a stretch. What do you think well, here? So here's where my stretch is on this. Is Wesley's watch the only watch that sounds like this in the entire city? <laughs> I get the heartbeat thing. I do. I, I just read a Daredevil comic the other day where he at one point locks himself in a closet and listens to every conversation in an embassy at once. So, I mean, I don't think it's too hard of a stretch to say he's got super hearing. He you definitely know, has and, super hearing. So I believe the heart thing. Yeah, to me, the bigger stretch was the watch, just because. Oh, that, that's not at all one. for me a stretch. That's funny, because for for me, I look at that and say, yeah, maybe there's more people with that watch in the city, but how many of them are going to be coming across Matt's path? Especially since people have you know, clocks on their phone. Who wears like a watch? My watch somewhat silent. Who wears a watch? I would do every day. Yeah, I would, except I lost it. I feel naked without it. Oh, I bought one so that I wouldn't have to check my phone to see what time it was and make it look like I was checking, you know, texts or seeing if there's a message from Daniel when in the, in the middle of a conversation. But anyhow, that's probably awkward for you. <laughs> so, I just own it. I'm in a meeting, pull up my phone, look at Facebook. Hey, look, Ben. Yeah, but I'd rather have it be legitimate and not people thinking I'm looking at Facebook when I'm not. I like people to think I'm kind of a big deal. Okay. Well, you are a big deal. You've met me. I have. <laughs> Virtually. So a jury member is scared. We find out because this juror is being extorted. And someone has a tape on her from something she did when she was 19. And pretty is the way the guy put it. Um, Daredevil shows up and at this point in time I'm like oh yeah this is a superhero show not just LA Law or Law and Order uh, but he comes takes out the guy who is extorting her and basically makes it so that the, the juror is going to leave the jury and can still feel comfortable that um, she's safe and her secret is safe and so there's that that's out of the way so we got a clean jury, um, or mostly clean, he thinks, because they're not going for a not guilty verdict. I think they're going for a hung jury is what we're going to get at the end here, because uh, Matt makes his closing argument, and this is that speech, Daniel, and I've got it written down. You want to hear the speech? Um, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. it might take a lot of time. You're right. It would, but we've got <laughs> so- time, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of you talking it is and not, i don't have any water don't want to be cut out well here's the thing i mean he here's what it breaks down to he talks about right and wrong and good and evil sharp lines and blurry lines it really is about facts versus truth if you're going to follow the facts you can't count him guilty based on witness testimony 
and his own story. Prosecutions failed. And this is where uh, he listens to their hearts and <laughs> he realizes that when they come back with a verdict, um, it's, it's going to be a hung jury and they're, they're going to let him go. He, he's he's well, free. But this speech is very, very true to life. I mean, that really is what the legal system is about. You know, ben, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Factual review. And I, I can remember I used to facilitate – work with an instructor who taught a business law class. And one of her first assignments was telling me the difference between something that's legal but not moral and something that's moral but not, ele- but not legal. I mean – that's the thing is, is everything Matt says is true, even though he really is spreading seeds of doubt. This is not a good person. He killed someone. But. Well, I don't think he's spreading seeds of doubt. I feel like he is making this speech and he's doing exactly what you said. These are the facts. And this is what you have to do with these facts. And, and, and following the law. Um, but I also feel like he kind of knows because there's the one line in there then too, where he says, let me see where it is at. He says, uh, beyond these walls, he may well face a judgment of his own making. In other words, don't worry. <laughs> Daredevil's going to come get him and beat him up bad because Matt wants more information. And so I feel like Matt knows this guy's going to go. He's going to walk one way or another. He's walking. I'm going to do my job. I'm going to defend him. I'm going to defend him well. Um, and I'm going to defend him honestly. And then when he walks, I'm going to take care of him in costume him in the face. Yeah. I'm going to kick this man until he bleeds. And maybe puts it, an it's eye a out. fantastic speech. It really is, though. It is. It's long. It is long. If you want to read it, we can do that after the credits, and I'll just <laughs> log off. And he delivers it well too. This is where our our actor, our our uh, Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox, Charlie Cox. I feel like you know he he's he's got the chops to do the part that he needs to do here. They've given him a nice meaty speech. He's doing it well. He's doing it. He, he's doing it. Um, not understated, but he's not going crazy. He's not going Al Pacino on us or anything like that. And it works. It works really, really well. I like it. And then we get the fight scene. Uh, he's out. Daredevil comes. They fight. It's a big old fight scene. Um, using the environment around them. They're dancing around a car. Um, he picks up a pipe and pipe in a bucket and throws the pipe, throws the bucket and starts hitting him with the pipe. And, um, yeah. And then he's put down. Daredevil demands the name of the man who brought him into this, who hired him. He gives it up. And this is what past Daniel was having a problem with. Wilson Fisk. And now, yeah, I mean, he gets slapped like three times, gives up the name, but the name is so big he's going to commit suicide. Well, okay, here's here's the question because this is what I was thinking. 
Now, I understand they can't be here for three hours. No, no, I, I, I don't have a problem with it, though. What I think has happened, and maybe it needed a little more time, he is committing suicide by name-checking. You know, he he gave up the name, but before he gave it up, I think he knew, okay, I'm dead. If I give him the name, I'm dead, but I'm going to give him the name eventually. So I might as well just do it now, and, you know, this guy's not going to kill me, uh, so maybe I should do it myself. Calls Daredevil a coward for not killing him. You know, and then just commits murder by putting a fence post tip, which would normally have barbed wire kind of strung across it from fence post to fence post. At least I think that's what it's meant to be. Uh, But there's no barbed wire there. And he just drives that into his eye. This is... This is cringe-inducing. And at this point, I was like, oh, this isn't the Avengers. <laughs> and and this is where, you know, we, we go right from that into that whole scene with Kingpin that we're going to talk about. But this is where past Ben was like, this is, how does this make you feel? I, I, I think it's telling that they go into that talking about art. How does this make you feel? After a pretty powerful visual and visceral um, suicide. Where how does this make you feel? And it is. It, I think I find it interesting. They ask that right there. How does it make me feel? Wow, I'm I'm disgusted. This is terrible. This is tragic. This is awful. There were sounds that I didn't need to hear. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our law. Our law episode. That's our law storyline here. And Daredevil, uh, I find it interesting. Blind superhero beats up a bad guy, gets the name, and the guy kills himself by driving something into his eye. Into his eye. And as we said earlier, he's stone cold, and he was stone cold about it. He just does it fast boom he was but i want the the thing i want to point out here is the eye thing you know the eyes are an important element in in this show i mean daredevil's blind because his eyes don't work his eyes were damaged his eyes were uh, taken away from him and this man takes away his life through his eye socket and i'm not sure what it means i'm not sure artistically what it's meant to mean other than maybe it's just meant to be uh Interesting, you know, running through line. I don't know. But, yeah. I don't know. So any more thoughts about uh, Ben and Foggy's adventure in court? I, I honestly, I really like this. I'm surprised. I, I I thought maybe that this would be boring to you. That you'd be no, I, watching I found, and saying, you know, watching your clock, watching your watch. I think, I think it's because of Healy. Healy's reactions were just... <laughs> Very well done. And then the speech from Matt is fantastic. And then, of course, it ends with massive violence that can't help but make you stare at it. Yeah. Yeah. And on second viewing, if you don't remember, you're still staring. And if you do remember, you're going to look away. Or at least I would have looked away, but I forgot. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, wow. Okay, 
So then the next storyline that we have here is Karen's. No, Ben's. Let's talk about Ben. All right. This is relatively quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but we're we're introducing a new character here, and we're learning a lot about him. Um, you know, as as quick as his storyline is for us. Um, there's a lot that comes out. First of all, he's been on the job for a very long time. He's meeting with a crime lord, a crime boss, who's at the end of his time. You know, he's he's ready to go away, and his son was just murdered. Right? Is this the father of? Prohaska, who died in the bowling alley? Because they both have the same last name. They're both Prohaskas. So. Could have been. What? Could have been. I I think it is. I think it is. Uh, But he knows the winds are changing. And so Ben comes in. Ben wants to know who. No, that's not. He's not a Prohaska. Yeah, he is. No. No, no, no. He's Silvio. He's Silvio? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Yes. Because he is listed in, in IMDb as Prohaska. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. No. He is. He is listed on IMDb with that name as Which his actor? character name. Which actor? Oh, let me find him. Better not be P- Peter Claymore because that's the Prohaska that dies in the bowling alley. Okay, well... He's the only Prohaska listed. They look the same. No. They do. They could no. be father and son. Silvio could be, but I don't think that's confirmed. Okay. Well, maybe you're right then. Maybe I should edit that out so that nobody no, knows. No, I enjoy the, the mistake on your part. <laughs> so I think my response to you should be, um, oh, I lost that line now. Oh, the rules have changed. There no, are no this is the. <laughs> I, this is you. When it comes talking to editing, to, Ben, there are no rules. This is you talking to me, saying this is the first time you ever said I was right. I hate it. <laughs> but you, you, you. This would be you talking to me with that line that Foggy gave to Matt. Never mind. Find it it's lost on you. It's pearls before swine. Pearls before swine. That's what my wit is. I don't have a high opinion of myself at all. No. Not at all. Okay. Well, whoever Ben is talking to. (laughs) He's talking the old godfather sort of type. He is. He's talking to an old wise guy, an old gangster who knows the old ropes. And who has a, they have a relationship that goes back a long time. And honesty and lies. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he knows that the winds are shifting. There's new players and that's what Ben wants to find out about. Tell me about these new players. I want to know, you know, and they have an arrangement. You know, you give me some info. I'll give you some info. Um, but what it comes down to it, this crime boss's info is basically sit this one out. Don't go after this. Some fights will just get you bloody, which I, we don't want to talk about future scenes and future episodes. But there is some foreshadowing there going on there. There is no blood in the future, Ben. <laughs> I think it's safe to say, if we're talking about any main character, there's going to be blood. Yeah, I think it's safe to say. I and, will allow that. Um, and I think it's also safe to say there's foreshadowing going on 
here that I didn't recognize the first time I watched, but then watching it this time, you see it. I mean, it's, it's obviously, this is what they're setting up. You know, this is a, you're, you're stepping into something bigger and, and worse than when you were reporting about me back in the day. And, you know, I appreciate that you never brought my children into this, that you were the only reporter who wrote about me and didn't write about my children. I appreciate that. That stand up. And so I'm going to give you some advice. Don't, don't go further into the rabbit hole here. So then we go to his professional place of business, his office with the newspaper. He's on the phone with the insurance company and he's having insurance problems. And so you're getting, you know, you, you know, it's about his wife that's a problem. And then the editor comes in and we see his professional problems where he's saying, you know, don't report on this. You know, uh, uh, this isn't going to sell papers. And so Ben is also caught in between this idea of uh, integrity and, you know, need with, with Matt and Foggy, they're caught between integrity and need. That's more of a financial need. And for him, it's this um, insurance and he has to have, you know, he, he has, he has to report on the subway line. What color do they want the subway line to be that could come into hell's kitchen? Or it may not come into hell's kitchen. Uh, yeah. But it's going to sell papers and he's got to keep his job because how else is he going to take care of his wife who's sick? And yeah, he, he wants to do the stories that he used to do as a young man. So then we go to the hospital and this is where we see what Ben is fighting for when he's on the phone with the insurance company and it's his wife. She's not doing well. Um, he cares very much for her. Um, he's very concerned about her. Uh, he's concerned that she's going to, they're going to have to you know, take her off the support that she needs to really thrive and to, to stay alive and, and stay healthy ish. I mean, she's not going to stay, um, you know, completely healthy, but to stay at least, you know, maintain the health that she has. And we don't even really know what she has. I, what, what do you think it is? I don't know. I don't think we need to know at this point. Well, I, I, I'll be honest. I've kind of assumed it's a mental health issue. No, no, this is a physical. Uh, again, it, her symptoms might be manifesting. Uh, at the moment, the the sense that I got is there's something going on with her that the insurance companies may not be taking as seriously as they should. Um, and something that varies by day. Yeah, I still feel like it's a physical ailment, though, that is... Uh, at least that's what I'm seeing. So, well, I don't pretend to be a doctor. Well, I do. I do. Well, often. I've, we've noticed you've got that white coat. Your wife finds it quite annoying. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll just put the white coat on and start diagnosing people in the street. You which makes a very awkward relationship with my neighbors, but should not do that. But okay. Well, I, I tell them. I say I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV and I'm not an actor either, but I play one in my fantasy life. Good enough. So then he meets Karen 
and we'll talk about what happens with her uh, as far as her arc goes, but she is bringing to him the opportunity to take on the story that he would like to take on, to take on the type of story that he would like to take on, to do those stories, those hard-hitting stories that expose corruption and evil, and she's bringing him that chance. So there it is. Uh, this is a great character we've got here. I concur, sir. <laughs> and so the the character we That's have gonna be my theme for the whole episode. I'm just going to yell, <laughs> "I concur, sir." Are you uh, tipping your hat, your top hat, to me? Absolutely. Good. It's very tall. Good. Boom. That's good. <laughs> so let's talk about Karen then. Karen's arc is oh, even. Do we have to? It's even quicker. She goes and she has a meeting with her former employers who say, you know what? You signed an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. We know it was you who leaked this stuff to the press. We could clean you out, take you to court. You could be in big trouble. Instead, we're going to give you six months pay if you sign here and decide to never, ever, ever talk about this ever, ever, ever again. And she's got a problem with that because... Someone died in her own apartment because of this. She's been attacked. And they say, you know what? We don't have any connection to this person, but we feel like we have a non-binding moral obligation. <laughs> I, again, you know, we're getting into the law stuff here, but this is good stuff. And so then she goes to visit Daniel's wife. Well, you call it Daniel's wife, but I'd just like to point out to you, sir, mm-hmm. that this is a power couple of the MCU. Okay. Well, actress Wendy Moniz is married to Frank Grillo. Continue. A dude, Fisher's wife's married to Crossbones in real life, dude. Interesting. MCU power couple. I like it. I like it. Well, the uh, feminine half of the MCU power couple has already signed a non-disclosure agreement, and she will never talk about this again because uh, there's no fighting this. And she has to live every day with the idea that she told her husband, you've got to do something about this. And your heart just tears up. Oh, it's terrible. It is awful. And she tells her, if you have anyone that you care about, don't deal with this. Don't go after this. And so what does Karen do? She goes and talks to Ben and brings the stuff to him to say, I've got a story for you. I've got some information for you. Um, so the question to you, Daniel, does Karen have no one that she cares about? Well, apparently at this point she doesn't. She's lying to Foggy and and Matt um, and again she, she's gotten this advice advice that I think many uh, many of us understand I mean as a parent you're thinking to yourself yeah my kids do matter more than some other things it's true it's true and, and so she's protecting the ones that she loves she's already lost somebody because of advice she gave her children have lost their father and she would prefer that they not lose her their mother as well makes sense so, yeah, I, I think you could definitely see Karen doesn't necessarily have anybody she cares about. So she goes to Ben, 
who does have someone that he cares about, but she doesn't know that. And she's going to go to him and, and say, you know what, let's, I've got stuff for you. Let's, let's do this. Let's cause trouble. Let's cause trouble. Because that's what Karen Page does. Yeah. And lie to her lawyers. And employers. Her employers. <laughs> yes. So apparently she only worked for one day for free. <sighs> one day. Uno. Is this the second I, day? I don't know. Well, oh, no. because when they come in at the beginning of this episode, anyway, I mean, not at this point in the episode, at the beginning of this episode, though, when they all come together and before Wesley comes in, Karen and Foggy are joking about staying out all night the night before. And when there's a knock at the door, no one knows what to do. <laughs> They're just look at each other. And then finally, Karen realizes, oh. Uh, I guess if this is my job, I should probably go answer the door. Um, so I get the impression that we are starting off this episode, at least that day, the day after the, the, the overnight um, drinking uh, event <laughs> for where they drink the eel as well. Um, and Matt is recovering from, his fight last night that night nurse helped him with who, by the way, was the I best th- nurse. Uh, yeah. Mentioned by, by the, uh, the, per- the, the, I don't know what the role is of the, the person at the hospital that Ben was talking to, but she's talking about how we got a measles outbreak and my best nurse is out with who knows what. So she's not in the episode, but she's mentioned. And then we come to our final scene. Now, we do have a few scenes with just Wesley. Wesley goes in the bowling alley, gets the gun. Wesley has a scene in the limo with uh, Owsley, where Owsley has some concerns about all the stuff that's going on and the way that they're taking care of things and wants to see Fisk. And where is Fisk? Well, he's out shopping for art. Boom. And that brings us to our final scene. And the title of the episode. He is looking at a painting called Rabbit in a Snowstorm. It is white, shades of white. And uh, the owner of the art gallery, who we don't know who she is yet, but she comes and she starts talking to him about it. And, you know, she's trying to make the sale. That's that's pretty obvious. She's She's talking to him primarily because he's looking at the painting and she wants to, you know, sell it. Make some money. Um, and, and that's where we get that line about, you know, how does it make you feel? How does, you know, the question isn't, you know, about artists, uh, skill. The question isn't about what it's a picture of or the gradient of, of color or anything. It's how does it make you feel when you're looking at it? Kingpin's answer. It makes me feel alone. Ah. <sighs> Which, on first viewing, was just kind of interesting. On second viewing, after having viewed the entire series, there's a whole lot more to this. And we will get to that. But he's staring at this picture, and there are things that are going to reference back to this later on. You know what I find interesting, though? What? What? Is this, you know, in the phone call, I called this a pickup line. 
And I'm just saying, if you're going to pick up Laura, Laura Van, you've got to, you got to come with your A game. If you're going to pick up Superman's mom. Superman's mom. Yeah, totally. Superman's mom from Man of Steel. Vanessa. No. Is Superman's mom. No, it's not. Yep. It's, it's Laura. It's not. It is. No, his mom was not. That's not his mom. Laura. Oh, Laura, not Laura. Not, not Martha. Laura. Oh, okay. Boom. Superhero cred right there. Well. Yeah. I was thinking Martha. I think Superman's mom. I don't think about the lady who stood there with her husband as he built a spaceship that was only big enough for a baby. You know, you can build build an interstellar traveling machine and you can't put two extra seats in it so that your baby is not sent off alone. I totally feel like I've heard this before from you. I'm pretty sure you have. And I'm thinking you just don't realize how short the resources were on Krypton. And I'm thinking, you know what? I understand you want your baby to survive, but don't you think your baby would have a better chance of survival? If one of his parents was with him? No, they're sending him to a planet where he's a god. Even better, send both parents. Dude. Do you know how cramped they would be in that little tiny spaceship? You don't build a little tiny spaceship. I'm just That's saying. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, actually, that we should probably move on. Yeah. So you a couple things we missed. Uh, Owlsley dropped a Heckle and Jekyll reference, <laughs> which I found to be quite funny. I don't know if anyone else does. Anyone? Nope. No. Totally missed it. Okay. Well, he, he's talking about Foggy and Matt calls him Heckle and Jekyll. I found that funny. Dude, I rewatched it at four thirty this morning. Well, that's my note for my first viewing. So I'm just saying. Uh second, Charlie Cox is definitely absolutely one hundred percent channeling Christian Bale with a Batman voice. What are you talking about? I'm Batman. What's his name? Tell me his name. Got horns. There. Tell me the name. Okay, uh, that's why the guy was so willing to to give up the name so quickly. I mean, let me drop you off this building a hundred times. (laughs) I can't see your face, dude. I can't see your face, dude. But you sound like Batman, and that's Christian Bale. And I do not want to cross him because I want to work in Hollywood again. So those are my final two thoughts, final two notes. And from there, Daniel, um, I got to ask you, you got anything more before we Let move into our uh, real quick? What when I say the big board, I mean my book. <laughs> um, wow. Daniel was really smart because he really hit on the things that I thought were really important and cool. You mean past uh, Daniel? And- Past Daniel, again, I still have a little bit of issues about how easily he gave up the name just to kill himself. He would absolutely, I think giving up the name was suicide. I I do believe he was committing suicide. Maybe but, even, maybe even to vigilante doesn't have a history of killing people, but maybe even uh, your feelings aside about whether he should have or not. I do kind of look at this. There is the possibility we have this idea of 
stay out of this. You know, uh, if you have anyone you care about and he has people he cares about, I, you know, he's committing suicide to protect his family or his loved ones. He's not committing suicide to protect himself, but he said an example was going to be made out of himself and the people he cares about. And so whatever his, you know, if he gave it up too quickly or not, the suicide almost comes off as a, I'm doing this to protect my family so that no one will know I gave up Wilson Fisk's name. So. All right. Well, I'm willing to let it go. Uh, yeah. Now we'll, we'll maybe, rate this episode just a little bit. We'll, we'll rate this after um, we do some, do our, our listener feedback, but um, yeah, I, episode three, I mean, this this is three episodes in a row where it's not uh, it's not bad. <laughs> it's and, and I will say this third episode is my favorite episode so far of the three. All right. Well, should we move on to uh, some listener feedback? Let's do it. Witness testimony. All right. We have just one message about episode three, Rabbit in a Snowstorm. Um. Now I, I will say this: anyone sends us feedback. Uh, we would really love to hear from you uh, about these episodes as they're coming out and as we're releasing them. However, if you want to send us any feedback about things we've already talked about, episode three, episode two, episode one of Daredevil, we'll read those or play those at any time um, as they as you send them in. It's just we are trying to stay spoiler free as we move through these these episodes for future episodes. No, and I'll just be blunt. If you think this episode was too short, it's because one feedback. I don't think anyone's going to complain about this episode being too short. Hey, a lot of people like our long episodes for their commutes, their jogs. I don't think anyone's going to complain. All right. So, and, and if they do, I'll be proven wrong. And it'll be the first time that you, uh, that line just doesn't work. I'm sorry. Agent Snooks, send in a complaint. Let's prove him wrong again. High five. Daredevil episode three, Rabbit in a Snowstorm from Agent Evan. Hey guys, Agent Evan here. I know it's going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but they're beating people to death. The violence in this show is such that unfortunately, after this first watch through and review, I probably won't ever be watching this show again. Aside from my issues with the gore, this episode has some nice elements to it. We get to see Murdoch and company in their professional element, which was cool. Another cool change of pace. My favorite part of this episode was the inclusion of Ben Urich. I like the casting choice. He seems a bit old, but I'm used to reading Ultimate Comics, and Ben is a lot younger in those stories than he is in the 616. Bummed that he's working at the New York Bulletin instead of the Bugle, but hey, there's always time to change that by the time Spidey comes around. It was cool to take a look at some of the newspaper clippings on the back wall of his office. Easily noticeable is the Battle of New York headline, but I also noticed a headline that read Harlem Terror which could be a reference to when Bruce Banner broke Harlem in The Incredible Hulk. The other headlines had no recognizable significance significance to me, but anyway, cool Easter eggs. Speaking of which, I'm looking forward to Stan Lee's inevitable cameo. Interesting choice to name the episode after the very last scene. Any ideas as to any greater significance of this episode's title? Well, that's it for me. Agent Evan, over and out. I meant to ask you, Daniel, how much experience do you have with the character of Ben Urich? Um, let's see. I've 
write him in some Spidey, and I've read him in the Jessica Jones, I work for the Daily Bugle, and then some random Daredevil. I remember him specifically in an arc of Daredevil that I bought, like the entire arc, and I think the artwork of that arc was by, uh, I think, David Mack, and I think that's the reason I, I think it's David Mack. I might be wrong about that. Maybe he was the writer, but it was a very unique and interesting um kind of scratchy but realistic art style and that's why i was buying it but it was following ben urich through you know his investigation of a story but um i don't remember much about him at all other than him being kind of a a frumpy a frumple frumpy remember when i got after you about calling someone frumpy that was he's an award-winning author writer a journalist frumpled journalist kind of a, a columbo type of guy he doesn't wear sexy underwear his nephew, spoiler, is a goblin. Interesting. Spoiler. Uh, the question about any significance, greater significance of this episode's title. We'll get to that. Um, there's a couple other things that, that Evan mentioned in this that knowing what happens in the future um, gives a Will different we just spin. Think more on to come? The, yeah. A different spin on the, the answer that that Evan is looking for here. But yeah, we didn't talk about the the bugle headlines. But the the Battle of New York. It's not the bugle. The bulletin headlines. Bulletin. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well I think it's time for us to close this episode and give our our closing arguments. Are you ready? Yeah, do we have a sound effect? Final verdict. So, Daniel, how many Billy Cubs? Uh, Billy Clubs. Billy Cubs? How many Billy um, Clubs out of five do you give this episode? Well, I need I need a saw today. I'm going to give it four and a half, so I'm going to cut a Billy Club in half. Uh, and I'm going to give it a four. Even mm. though I think I liked it better than you, I just don't want to do a half. <laughs> So, it is not hey, a five. You, it's definitely not a five. You, you get, you get out your saw and you just chop it in half. Yeah, I, I just like solid whole numbers, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go. You're with so them. weird. It's easier math, man. It's easier math. Anyway, I don't want to give this a five, um, but it is really good, and I'm, I, I am looking at five is near perfect. Four is really good. Three is, yeah, it's good. It's okay. It's not good, not real bad. And then two, it's bad. And one is, it's so terrible. So I'm going with a four. And you're going with a four and a half? I guess we're not that far apart. We aren't. We aren't. I just find it funny that you've given it a higher number, but I think I liked it a little bit more than you. Mm, I disagree. Well, maybe you do. Maybe I'm just not... Um, overly verbose like you. Maybe I, I don't need to talk about awesomeness, but just let awesomeness talk set to itself on a plate and just be awesome. <laughs> Daniel, you're so weird. Whatever. So, Daniel. When you say weird, you mean awesome. Maybe. Good enough. Maybe. Uh, you have any final words? I'm feeling good. It's, it's it's weird to be back in the studio again, back in the chair in front of the microphone. Because last time I was here, I wasn't even talking to you. I was talking about Tomorrowland. Yeah, yeah. You were talking actually to Agent Evan. 
Yeah. Find about I... Tomorrowland. I haven't listened to that. I don't know if they've released that or not. I think you it, it has, and I think you might find some shocking conclusions. Interesting. I am curious what you thought of that because I wanted to have you on my podcast for Strangers and Aliens about that. But yeah, you have no patience. I, I want to get things out in a timely manner. Well, I've totally seen Inside Out. I have not, but I'm doing a family episode about Inside Out where I have my kids talk about it for Strangers. Oh, and fine. Aliens. Pick pick your kids over me. I am. Here's my final words. Agent Ben picks his kids over me. Boom. Well, we we did mention this, Daniel, that there are times when. You are going to pick your kids over other things and think they're more important, you know, than other other things. Yes, Which is why, by the way, we're recording at this top point in the night. We both had children to put to bed. So, yeah. So, Daniel, I got some final words too. All right, I'm sitting back, relaxing, waiting for them. Okay, it, you know, it won't take long. This is just what I tell myself sometimes when I look in the mirror. And I'm thinking about podcasting and I'm thinking about doing, you know, welcome to level seven and strangers and aliens and even the comic book time machine, you know, which they're all three very different things. But, you know, here's the thing, Daniel, everyone we know is making twice what we are writing for blogs, working from home in their underwear. We're hanging from our fingertips. Ben. Do you really want to be greasing that ledge? Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. My other line, Daniel, was nothing ever happened between me and Daniel. <laughs> but I could well, that wouldn't in, be true. It could have gone in I a couple that, different directions. Heard that line, and I just don't think you understand how the internet works. What do you mean? Well, where's the big truck full of bags of cash, specifically with money symbols on it? That's that's the same. That's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, I'm I, saying. I mean, I'm waiting to be paid for this podcast with cash in a pillowcase with dollar signs on it. <laughs> well, Daniel, we're going to have to Which do. Which is what Daredevil makes it sounds like happens. <laughs> what you're going to have to do is put on your striped suit and your domino mask <laughs> and run out and, you know, steal it. But if I do that, do I need to bring my own pillowcase? You do. You okay, do. So I need a Sharpie. And a pillowcase. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, I probably wouldn't do that now, um, because this episode could be used as evidence against you. Ben, there's facts, 
and then there's non-facts, and maybe there'll be other judgment for me outside of that courtroom. Maybe, maybe. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, I saw an MCU-related movie while I was away at camp. Ooh. Yeah. So you saw another showing of Age of Ultron then? No, 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 no. What I saw was Star-Lord fighting uh, Kingpin. Apparently, Kingpin... Why did you do this to me? Apparently, Kingpin, uh, maybe early on, maybe later on in his career, but um, he was involved in raising dinosaurs. Oh, man. And in raising those dinosaurs, uh, he was creating problems for people and... And, uh, and Star-Lord came down from space to maybe because he's still a kid at heart, you know, and he, he's just a fan of dinosaurs. I don't know, but he, it's he, like you like to tell me, Hey, he Daniel, you're Kingpin. the only guy in America who hasn't seen this movie. I am kind of saying that, um, you gotta like the, did you see how Disney congratulated him? Congratulated who? They congratulated Chris Pratt for beating Age of Ultron. Did they? Yeah, they put out a little thing. Maybe I, him riding a dinosaur. I, I like it when they do those kind of things. Because um, yeah. they did that with Jaws and Star Wars where they're kind of poking fun of Lucas and Spielberg. Uh, but here's the thing. I mean, honestly, Lost World, not Lost World, Jurassic World, uh, it's a it, it's about Disney. Well, e- even yeah. more even more than, than Tomorrowland. Duh. Yeah. It, it's basically, hey, corporate. Corporate greed sponsorship Verizon Asaurus so why, why what so you need to what, see this movie it, it's a double feature to be watched with Tomorrowland right I'm sending you Disney's message to Chris Pratt right now I don't think they're the same they're not the same it's a double feature yeah I don't I Tomorrowland don't and Mad Max are also a double messages. feature I'm not because saying they're the same messages I, I I get the sense that one saying, kind of like Ultron, don't go crazy with science. Or maybe another one is saying, use science to progress things. I'm saying, great double feature because they're addressing similar themes from different perspectives and points of view. Mm. Ooh, I like I like Kevin's hat. Kevin has such nice hats. Who's Kevin? Kevin Feige. Oh. He's got such nice hats. All right, Daniel, it's time to shut this thing down. No, open the message I sent you. Okay. Did you send it Facebook or email? I sent it via Facebook. All right. I'm looking. You're going to have to put this in the show notes now so everybody else can see it too. I don't. That's more work for me. Thanks. Yes. No. (laughs) Uh, Congratulates. There's no picture at all. Did you open it? Marvel exec tweets pic of actor riding a T-Rex that holds Thor's hammer. Yeah, yes. Now scroll oh, down. there it is. There it is. Isn't Kevin a great guy? Yeah. You know, in the old days, they would have taken out a full page in Variety and done that. Wow. Twitter's the new Variety. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's the same exact yeah, thing. I'm waiting for you to run the crickets again now. That's the same exact thing that they would they would do like with jaws and star wars where they're yeah oh fine i'm gonna go read comic books then i'm out of here all right